Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to finish up the series that I've been teaching called Classic Sermons. And today is a message that was originally preached by Vance Havner. So I like doing this. How many of you have ever heard of Vance Havner? Raise your hand. Let me see you. One. Anybody? One person? Two? Maybe? Okay, just two or three. All right, awesome. So one of the goals for the series is to introduce you to some people who you really should listen to um, as a, on a regular basis to, to feed you spiritually. You know, Sunday morning's great, but man, we've got YouTube. I mean, we can, we can, really, we can really download some good stuff. Vance Havner died a handful of years ago, but he, um, he has the unique ability to preach in a way that, that drives truth straight to your heart in a humorous and simple way. He is gifted uh, as gifted as anybody I've ever heard. So write that down or even even just t- type it in or whatever. Vance Havner, all kinds of messages on YouTube uh, that you can listen to him. Um, funny, funny guy. There's actually books of Vance Havner quotes. He's the kind of guy where you go, oh, that's good. Um, so he preached this message and the title of his message was, Have You Lost the Wonder? And I've listened to it a handful of times, and to be honest with you, I was going to do another one by him, but this one, is, this one gripped me so much because of the content and because of the need for us to understand this concept today. And so let's start with the passage where he starts. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, it says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, who, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea." That's a pretty poignant passage, isn't it? He begins by saying, uh, or he begins by answering a question of the disciples. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in your kingdom? Who's the great? Now, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big question. I mean, that's a risky question, really, because the disciples, by saying, who's the greatest in your kingdom, you have to know that back in their, in, in some place in their heart, what they were really saying was, what's my position in your kingdom? How, how, how will I rank in, in, in your army? How, how, will I, how will I be listed on your, on your list? So that was a risky question because what if they weren't doing so hot? What if Jesus was blatantly honest and goes, yeah, y'all aren't really doing too much? I mean, could you imagine the guts it would have taken? Jesus, who's the greatest in your kingdom? But Jesus' response was wildly unexpected. They would have expected him to say something like, well, you know, Moses, David, you know, King David, 
uh, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. I mean, they, they would have expected this list of names, people like that. But instead, Jesus went the total opposite direction. He, he, he motioned, he, he brought a child over. This little kid came over and maybe sat in his lap or maybe he just put his arm around him. And Jesus said, this little kid right here, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children... His object lesson was a real, live child. And he says to them, if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom, you need to be like this little tyke right here. I'm sure he would have said that in the Greek. That's how it's Hebrew. This little tyke right here. Now, the disciples must have scratched their head and they go, huh, I didn't see that coming. Because the way we think is totally different than the way the kingdom of God actually is. We think that greatness comes by position, and we think that it comes by power, and it comes by influence, and it comes by authority, and it comes by knowledge, and it comes by all of these things that we see in the world as, as, as having control over the world or control in the world. But Jesus wiped that whole notion of power and control and all that off the face of the map. He goes, no, no, no. The greatest in my kingdom are the ones who are like this little child. So what is it about a child that is so important? Why would he say that? What, what is it about a child that he wants to see in us? Well, as Vance Havner puts it, he says, we must have the heart of a child the mind of a scholar and the hide of a rhinoceros. Let that sink in for a moment. And then measure yourself. How are you doing with your heart? Is your heart like a child or is your heart like a grown adult? We'll get there later. How is your mind? Is your, is your mind like a scholar? Maybe, maybe not. What about your skin? Is, is it tough like a rhinoceros? Why is that the case? It's the case because the heart keeps things fresh. The, the mind keeps things sharp. And the hide keeps us going. Folks, we live in a tough world. Without tough skin, you're not going to make it. Right? So a guy by the name of Gypsy Smith, he was, a, he was an old school preacher. He died, I don't know, in the 40s, 1947, somewhere around there. He was once asked towards the end of his life, Gypsy, how do you have such a, such a fresh view of the gospel? How do you preach with passion? And you've been preaching so many years and you're so old and yet everything you say just seems to be full of life. Now, Gypsy Smith was a gypsy. You know what a gypsy is, right? They travel from town to town looking for work. A lot of times they work in carnivals and things like that. He was a real-life gypsy who, who came from a large and very poor family. And, and yet his father came to know Christ, and that passed down on to, you know, his, the rest of his family came to know Christ. And when he became a follower of Jesus, God called him to preach. But here was his problem. As a gypsy, he was a low man on the totem pole. I mean, you got you got to think back in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Gypsies were considered uh, they they were they were very uh, people were suspicious of them because they were they were a lot of them were thieves and you know it was just a very sketchy lifestyle. Um, and so he was called to preach, and yet he said, I, "I don't have the education that I need, and I don't have the I don't have the position I need, and I certainly don't have the reputation that I need." But 
Well, he called me to preach, so I'm going to start preaching. And he spent his, the rest of his life preaching messages that just rocked people's world. And so at the end of his life, they said, how do you stay so fresh? And here was his answer. He said, I've never lost the wonder. And that's what I want you to hear today. Don't lose the wonder. But you see, I'm too late for some of you. Some of you, you've already lost it. The wonder is no longer there. You've grown out of child, but being a child, and you're now a fully mature, fully grown adult, and you have, you have spent so much time getting your hide thick that you've lost the childlike heart. I have to tell you, you can regain the wonder, but it is costly. It will cost you pride, and it will cost you a little humiliation, and it will cost you allowing God to, to move the stuff out of your life that is in the way of a childlike heart. So there are three kinds of people in this passage. The first kind of person is the child. Now, God give, gave us a gift in children, didn't he? I want you to think of what it means to be a child. Now, unfortunately, when we say that, our, our minds kind of fast forward to an older child because we are growing up way too fast and way too soon in today's culture. Would you give me an amen on that one? Today, children no longer are children for very long. They know way too much, they see way too much, and they're expected to grow up too much. Very rarely do you have a child that can just go out and play without anything in their hands except for what they find on the ground, and they can just make themselves comfortable for the entire day. In today's world, we have to have something to entertain us and something to keep us going. Thank God when children can be children and just entertain themselves. You remember the day when you used to... or, or Remember the day, if it was for you, when you, when you didn't have to say, I'm bored? Because as long as you had a stick and a ball or a rock, you could make that stick into anything your brain could conceive of. Do you remember that? Man, sticks used to be weapons. They're pretty much always weapons for me. But, man, I, I've been to the moon. I, I've, I've captained solo, solo, uh, ships across the ocean. I have fought robbers. And, and I, I've been a... I actually, when I was a kid, I was a... The combination police officer, paramedic, firefighter. I was all three in one. Man, I was your safety dude. If you were in trouble, I was going to be there. I'd shoot the bad guy, put out the fire, and then give first aid to the one who needed first aid. And I'm, I'm not lying. I mean, you know I'm not lying. I used to wear all of my safety gear all the time. Of course, what precipitated that was that I thought I was Superman. I have very fond memories of my childhood. I'm just telling you. I used to sign my name in kindergarten, Superman Spoonie Barger. No joke. The teacher had to, talk, had to tell me, Jeff, now you can put Superman in there, but you've got to put your first name too. I wore my underoos every single day. Tell me you know about underoos, right? Whoo, let me tell you. Man, I had a cape and I had my, my underoos and I was ready to fight. I used to carry spinach with me. I am not joking. Why did I carry spinach? Because Popeye, all he needed to do for strength was spinach, man. But I never could get it open, so I had to carry a can opener as well. It was really jacked up. I was like, time out. Hang on a second. I'd open the can, I'd pop it down, man. I'm not. So a child has this about them. How many of y'all had a childhood like that? You remember that? Now, 
As a child, you didn't worry about a lot of stuff, did you? I mean, you might, you might worry because you couldn't get your spinach open, but you fixed that problem, right? But you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't have the same stress and pressure. You didn't worry about paying bills. You didn't, you didn't necessarily wonder where you were going to eat. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you had a, a harder child. But, but at the end of the day, even, the poor, even poor children, and I mean like dirt poor, they still had a, had a sense of wonder. Because a child is learning, a child is innocent, a child has this, has this view of the world that is radically different than what we have. The thing that I like about children when they're really, really, really little is that they look at things that we look with disdain on and they go, wow. You ever see a baby discover his hands? I mean, you can still spend an hour looking at their hand, right? And they'll be like catching things. But no, we, we, grow, up, we grow out of that, right? You ever, you ever see a, a, a two-year-old walk by a flower? My goodness, I didn't like walks around my block because it took us three hours to go four houses, right? Ooh, let's look at the grass. Ooh, let's look at the caterpillar. Ooh, let's look at the flower. Ooh, let's look at the caterpillar again. Ooh, let's go. Ooh, let's just stand here and do nothing and stare at the sky. I mean, it's like, come on, kid. We got places to go and people to see. And I so wish that life was like that again. Now, I'm not in any way insinuating. I don't believe Jesus is insinuating that we should just dump our knowledge at the door and just become silly little children. Because notice he doesn't say that we are children. He says, be like children. There's a difference. See, we start as children, but we grow up. But as we grow up, we lose our childlikeness because we have a form that we're supposed to fit into. As, as mature believers, we're supposed to look like this, and we're supposed to think like this, and we're supposed to do like this. And the wonder of the gospel fades. But that's the reason so many mature believers are so boring. Or that's why so many of them don't get excited anymore about things that young believers do. You remember as a young believer when somebody would come to faith in Christ, you were like, yeah, boy, yeah. Remember you told somebody about Jesus one time and you would have thought that you won the lottery because you're like, I did it, man, I did it. And now when we get over, like, yeah, they, they trusted Jesus. But may, may, maybe it was real, you know. Maybe. We'll see. We'll give it six months. We'll, we'll, we'll take a chance, right? Y'all with me? Remember that? Because we've grown, we've gotten over the joy of our salvation. And I'm going to say to you that what Jesus said was this, unless you become, in other words, y'all have gotten over so far, but unless you become like little children, Unless you were converted to little children, you cannot be great in my kingdom. There are three kinds of people. There are the children, and then there are the childish. In verse uh, 6, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. You know, one of the dangers of getting old, er, <laughs> Is, is, again, we, we, we see too much. 
We learn too much and we, we learn how to fit into the group. And in doing so, we let the wonder fly out the door and our faith becomes more mechanistic than it is apostolic. Every major movement in church history starts apostolically and it moves to the mechanistic. You know what I'm talking about? Apostolic means it's totally dependent on God's Spirit. It's, it's a movement that cannot necessarily be explained. It's not unbiblical. In no way am I saying we should go outside of biblical lines. No, never, negative. Uh, it's not going to happen, at least for me. We're not moving outside of Scripture. However, we're also going to stay within Scripture for all that Scripture is. Right? And so God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not a, a God who shifts and changes. He's not a God who was powerful then, but He has to temper His power now because, no, He's the same God, right? So we're not ever going to move out of sight of Scripture, and we're always going to test things with Scripture, but we're going to allow God the right and the freedom to be God, which means we're not going to understand necessarily everything that He does or how He does it. That's the apostolic. To be apostolic means that you're going, you know what, Lord? I'm going to take, I'm going to trust in you by faith and I'm going to allow you to move and work in my life. I'm going to use the knowledge and the wisdom that you gave me, but I'm going to recognize that at some point I am not in control. And at some point, I'm going to have to be like a child and go, well, I, I, don't, I don't understand it, but I'm just going to, I'm going to go with it. Again, we're not, we're not putting Scripture and wisdom aside. We're simply saying, we're recognizing that there is an element of mystery in the work of God that we cannot necessarily explain. And so we, 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 we start to move, every church, church uh, movement starts in the apostolic and that's when you see God do amazing things, but then it moves to the mechanistic, which means we start to pattern it, and we start to say, okay, if I do these four things, then God is going to do these three things. You know what I'm saying? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to copyright this, and then I'm going to put it in a book, and I'm going to sell it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reproduce God, what God is doing in other places. That's mechanistic. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't do it that way. When God is in the midst of it, we have to faithfully follow, like a child, what He does. Holding to the truth of Scripture, yet recognizing that, that God is God. And so, what, happen, what happens here is, Jesus is saying, don't become so smart, don't become so spiritual, don't become so... Um, so, so mature, if you will, that's not his words, but don't become so mature that you start to suck the life out of those who with childlike faith are great in my kingdom. Here's how we do it. Somebody becomes a believer. They have these, these, have these, they have these dreams of God using them. And we quickly squash their dream because we know that the path they're talking about is going to be hard. And we're like, nah, you just, you just need to, you, don't worry, you'll get over it. Y'all know what I'm talking about here? Have you ever had somebody squash the childness or the childlike faith inside of you? I've not only had it happen to me, but I've been one of the squashers. Has anybody ever been a squasher before? You've squashed the childlike faith because you've been there and done that. You got the t-shirt and you want to spare them the, hey, you know what I know? 
I know that a child is a child for a reason, and we should let children be children. We should keep them safe and give them some guidelines, but let's not suck the life out of them to try to move them along in the way. Interesting thing about the dynamic of a church is this. We have those who've been believers for a long time, and, and that's a good thing. I mean, we want mature believers. But we also have brand new believers, and their faith is rather... It can tend to be rather... Um, uh, rather ignorant, if you will. Not, not in a negative way, but innocent. That would be a better word. It's a very innocent faith. And, and, and you go, well, well, I've got this issue. And you, you know, you're trying to work out the issue. And they go, uh, didn't Jesus say pray about stuff like that? You're like, yeah, yeah, I know we got to pray about that stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm just preaching myself here, sorry. And so you, you listen to them, and, and it makes you angry because they go, you, you go, that's so simple. And they go, well, I don't know any better. I just, Jesus saved me and I just looked at the Bible and he said, we're supposed to pray about stuff like that. And so I, I haven't been where you've been, but I just know that I'm supposed to pray about stuff like that. And so on this side, we're like, we want to correct him. We want to mature him. But what, what God does is this. He says, look, there is a place for wisdom. Yes, we need wisdom. Yes, we need discernment. But we should never forget the simplicity of the gospel that somebody who's a child can teach us. So, I made a post this past week. You might have seen it. And, and, I, and I, I, I was really just kind of, I don't know what my purpose was. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a mean purpose, but I said something to the effect of, you ever, you ever have a job that you have to do, but only have half of what you need to do it? I was, I'm, I'm really feeling that pressure because I know we got a $50,000 roof over here that's got to be replaced, and we don't have what it takes to get it done. Now, the easy answer is just pray about it. Well, I am, but, but, but I, we still got to get it done, right? So it's like, okay, I mean, you're, you're caught in, this, in this, this, this trap between, I know the easy, simple answer, but I also know that Jesus calls us to lead, and so I'm supposed to lead, and yet we're supposed to, you see, you see the struggle? But, but, and and, and somebody, somebody mentioned something, and, and, and it was like, well, Gosh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and what they mentioned was, hey, you know, in the, old, in, in the New Testament, when, when the church was first started, um, people actually sold stuff and then brought the money for laid it at the apostles' feet to, to do what they needed to do. And I go, well, yeah, that is pretty biblical, isn't it? It is pretty biblical. And it reminded me that as a leader of the church, I have to think as a mature apostle, if you will. I've got to think like an apostle. But I have to think like a child at the same time. It's not an either or. It's a both and. Does that make sense? And I think you have to struggle with the same thing. Because you may not be a leader of church, but you're a leader of your family. And you're a leader at your work. And you're a leader at your school. And you should mature. You should grow in your faith. You should become one who recognizes pitfalls and dangers. But you should never grow at the expense of a childlike heart, so much so that you lose the wonder of it all. Let me say it this way. Uh, Vance Havner preached this message to a group of preachers 
Billy Graham happened to be in the, in the audience. After the sermon, Billy Graham came up to Vince and said, Listen, I just want to tell you, your sermon today was for me. He said, I, 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 I struggle with losing the wonder of it all. He says, I don't ever want to get over it. And I pass that on to you. I don't want you to get over it. I don't ever want you to become so dignified and solemn that you can't lift your hands because somebody might be looking. I don't want you to ever become so dignified and solemn that you, you can't sing because your voice isn't quite what it used to be. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying, please. We shouldn't put on airs. We shouldn't be something just because we, we think somebody might want to see it. No, we should be real and authentic in every way. And by the way, we should have wisdom to know that at some point I can be a distraction to you so my freedom doesn't give me the ability to distract you. I mean, if I came running down in my underwear, like, I mean, because after all, David danced before the Lord in his tunic, in his uh, undergarments, right? We like to use that verse, right? We say, well, David danced before the Lord. No, if I did that, that would be a little distracting, don't you think? So there are certainly limits. We don't, we don't just act like a child without thinking about it. I'm not, and I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that there is a, there is a balance between losing the wonder and, 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 and being a person who is in awe of God and at His works at every turn. And so... Jesus said, be careful that you're not one who causes these little ones to stumble. You know, we cause little ones to stumble. And, and it's possible even that we could despise our own youth. It's possible that we could look at our own youth and despise what God has done and where he's brought us from. We could, I know I've been guilty of this. I've, I've looked and I've said, oh, I was so stupid. I didn't know anything then. And I, but you know what? Even in the zeal of youth, when you don't have all the details right, God can still use you. And what I found myself having to deal with is, I look back at my bad theology and, and, and immature leadership and all those things, and I, I'd go, oh man, how awful, how terrible. And then I get a call from somebody who says, hey, you remember 20 years ago when we were at Camp Such and Such and you preached this message and you used this illustration while well, I was listening and that day changed my life. I go, wait, wait a minute. Do you, do you know how dumb I was then? <laughs> and it just reminds me that it's really not about you and me after all, is it? It's about God working in you and through you. But do you want to know how God can work in you and through you, which is why it makes you one of the greatest in the kingdom? God can't work through a dignified uh, uh, adult who has full reign and control over his own life. He can work through a child who simply says, you know what? I don't need to be famous. I just want to be with my father. That's it. You know, this week... Uh, I was sitting on the couch doing something, and, and, I, and I, I, Shannon and I were having a conversation, and I, and I said something. And she goes, oh, that's so much like your father. She said, it's like, it's like if I close my eyes, I was talking to your dad right there. And instantly my thought was this, shouldn't I sound like my father? 
Why would it be a surprise that I, I'm like my father? But I was thinking on another level. Oh, that I would be like my heavenly father. I mean, if we're Christ followers, if we're Jesus followers, if, if his name is imprinted upon us, shouldn't we look like him and shouldn't we talk like him? And when we have conversations, shouldn't people go, man, you are so much like Jesus. Man, you remind me, so that, that's something Jesus would have done. I have to tell you, though, church, I, I stand back here this morning and I'm, and I'm, and I'm worshiping with you and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how much like Jesus you really are. I see so much of the Father in you. It's just, it's the most satisfying feeling ever. Because I'm hearing stories of, of you doing this thing over here. That's just what Jesus would have done. And I, and I hear this, and I, that's just what Jesus would have done. And I, and I hear this, and that's exactly what Jesus would have done. And it makes my heart burst with joy because, after all, shouldn't we be just like our Father? So Jesus said, unless you become like one of these little children. So you have the children, you have the childish who do childish things. Don't be like that. Don't be childish. That's not what Jesus wants. There's a and then we need to be, but we need to be childlike. That's the third. There's a difference between childlike and childish. Childish is all about the child. It's selfish. It's, it's, it's me, 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 me. Mine, 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 mine. Childlike, it's all about the Father. So Jesus says, you be childlike. To be childlike simply means that we have an element of faith that is predicated on trust. In other words, if God says it, I believe it because I know who my Father is. And, I, and I'm not going to understand it, and I'm not going to get it, and there are going to be times where I go, that just conflicts with everything that I think I know. But you know, I don't want to take away the wonder of the gospel. To be... I found myself yesterday morning in, in, this, in this place of place between childish and childlike. I took Joshua rabbit hunting. We have some friends who have some rabbit dogs, and they invited us to go and spend the morning with them. And um, a rabbit dog is a mix between a dog and a rabbit, just in case you didn't know. That was a joke. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a good time. So, um, so we got there first thing in the morning, and uh, as the sun was coming up, we were sit standing around the trucks talking. And I noticed there. Actually, I'm skipping ahead. That's not the story I want to tell. Back up. We had hunted in the morning, and we did, we hardly found any rabbits. It was kind of hot, so the trucks were gathered around. We were about to call it a day, and uh, and there were there were some boys there. My son being one of them. Who, who were like, well, we didn't shoot any, many rabbits, so let's just shoot something. Hey, let's shoot a tree. Okay, you can shoot a tree, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 find a Coke bottle. Okay, I got one. So I grabbed a Coke bottle, put some stuff in it, and I was going to throw it up. And here was my remark. Josh, I was talking to my kid. Josh, you got two shots because shells are expensive. I said, I don't want to spend eight bucks so that you can just shoot stuff that doesn't matter. 
Okay, there really is a point here, I promise. And so I threw the bottle up. Bam, 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 bam. It was like World War III. The bottle had not a hole in it. So they were all reloading. And I'm going, Josh, man, I'm paying for the shells. I don't just have eight bucks. I know, I'm cheap. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a tightwad if you can. I, I admit it. But that's what I was thinking. I mean, they're... And so here's what, was, here's what I'm telling you this. I found myself between enjoying the excitement of watching them just play around like kids and me counting the cost of each shell. Judge me if you want, but that's what I was doing. I was like, 25 cent, 25 cent, 25 cent. And, and I wound up realizing that the value for Josh was in the joy of just shooting. The value for me was in the cost of shooting. I sacrificed joy for cost. He sacrificed cost for joy. He made the better choice. Now let's move that into the church. Okay, give him a high five. Good job. Don't, don't, son, do not remind me of this. The next time we go out, you just want to shoot $1,000 worth of ammo. That doesn't apply, just so you'll know. So, so here, here's the lesson in the church. We sacrifice joy for cost. Because we're looking at the numbers. We have to look at the numbers. We got to. Because if you just play and don't think about how much it costs, you're going to wind up being broke. Amen? But we cannot be looking so hard at the numbers that we forget that we have a Father in Heaven who owns a manufacturing plant for shotgun shells. That's deep. We can't just fire away without thinking about it, no. But here's where we land. Church, we stay on this side of the fence far more than we stay on this side of the fence. Would you agree? Okay, you're not the church the leader of the church, but go to your own home. I just put it back on your own territory there. Have you ever sacrificed time with your family so that you could work? Because if you had overtime, you could buy a bigger TV. I know I talked to a guy not too long ago who works over a hundred hours a week. He is making bank, but he's not seen a single one of his kids' softball games. And it is eating him alive. But the lure of providing is bigger than the price he would pay to go spend time. I'm not judging him. I'm just saying that was our conversation. It's eating him alive. But you and I face the same thing all the time. Amen? So let me tell you about this other kid that I met. I love the way God always seems to give me real life examples of the message that I'm going to preach. This was yesterday. We show up to this place to hunt. Everybody's getting out of the trucks. And I notice this one guy sitting in the front of the truck. And so, me being a gregarious person, I walk up and I stick my hand out. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm Jeff. Now, he, he doesn't reach out to shake my hand because he's completely blind. Maybe I should have been more observant, but... And this is what he says to me. He says, hi, Jeff, I'm Dylan. Have you heard my testimony? Now, to a preacher, 
There's no better words. You want to make me happy? You start a conversation like that. Because I, you don't use the word testimony unless you've got one, okay? And the first thing out of his mouth, hey, I'm Dylan. You want to hear my, te- or have you heard my testimony? And my response, I was kind of a smart aleck. I didn't mean to be. I go, I haven't, but I have a feeling I'm about to. Tell me. Right? He goes, well, it all started back in 2008 when I was living on Highway 189 and I decided to rob my four-wheeler. And he starts telling me the story. He's 25 now, so 10, 11 years ago, he was riding his four-wheeler along the road, and he was jumping the culverts. And he jumped a culvert, and the back tire hit the the pipe, and it flipped him off of the bike, and the four-wheeler came and landed onto his head and crushed his skull from here all the way back. And it just so happened that at that very moment on a road that is not heavily traveled all the time, there are times when it takes two or three or four minutes for a car to go by because it's a country road. And it just so happened that at the exact time that the accident happened, there was a man driving north on his way to Andalusia who owned a paramedic company or ambulance service. He himself was a paramedic. And so he pulled off the side of the road, got on the phone with 911 as he went over to Dylan, grabbed him in his arms and started putting the appropriate pressure to keep the bleeding down. He got on the phone and said, you've got to send a helicopter now. They said, we don't have one available. We have them all en route. He said, if you don't divert now, this kid will die. And, And as his father tells it, he even had... Brain matter. I tell you that to tell you the kid was as good as dead. I don't know how they did it, but the helicopter diverted, landed, and had him to Sacred Heart Hospital within 25 minutes. This was 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. They rush him in, and it just so happens that the pediatric neurosurgeon was there at the hospital. So she went right into surgery. And all throughout surgery, they would send somebody out. He's still here. He's still here. When they finished the surgery, they said to them, there, there's, there's, he's not going to talk, he's not going to walk, he's not going to speak. If he makes it at all, he will be completely unresponsive for the rest of his life. And for three months, he was in a coma. And then he woke up. He went home and he said to his parents, Don't you want to know where I've been? And they said, Well, we know where you've been, son. We've been with you day and night. He said, Oh, no, you haven't. And then he started to describe how one minute he was on his four wheeler, and the next minute he was walking with Jesus. He said he described to his right this beautiful color and this light that was indescribable. And then over to the left, he was describing this river that was just marvelous in every way. Then he said, I saw my grandfather and my great-grandfather. Now, this was a kid whose grandfather had died when he was five years old. His great-grandfather, he never knew, but he described them perfectly. And he said... As we were walking, Jesus grabbed me and gave me a giant hug. And he said, Dylan, I'm going to send you back. But I want you to do something for me. 
I want you to tell everybody you see that I love them. Will you do that? He said, well, yes, of course I will. He said, if you'll do that, one day I'm going to give you your sight back. So Dylan is telling his parents this, and his parents are just in tears. They're thinking to themselves, holy smokes. Of course, you know, as parents, we're skeptical. What did it really happen? But in the years since then, they're absolute believers. I heard this story. Do you mind if I tell you some of this? So last night I went to their house because they actually, (laughs) they live. Like we were in Andalusia where we met. Their house is five doors down from the farmhouse who owns the land that I hunt on and have been for five years. Go figure that one out. So I stopped by their house last night and we were talking. And he said, let me tell you something. I was trying to get into the safe in the house. And I was frustrated because I couldn't remember the combination. Now Dylan is over in the bed because we got him home from the hospital. He can't talk. He can't, he can't speak. Uh, that's talking. He can't move. He can't do anything. And so I'm telling my wife, honey, I can't, do you know how to get into the safe? I can't remember the combination. And my wife and I are talking and Dylan raises his hand like this. And she goes, the wife goes, uh, honey, uh, he just moved. And so she starts talking to him, says, so what, 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 can you hear me? And he goes, and she goes, wow, that's, so from now on, thumbs up is yes, down is no. And then he starts to move his hands like this. And she goes, what are you trying, honey, he's saying to clear the safe. And, and, and he goes, and she goes, do you know how to get in the safe? She goes, okay. So he starts to give fingers to the right. He gave the combination to the safe. The dad opened the safe. And the boy goes. <laughs> I could tell you a hundred stories. Josh was there. I could tell you a hundred stories just like that. But here's why I'm telling you. This kid at 25 will tell you he's never been angry about the accident. He doesn't, he doesn't get frustrated. He wakes up so that he can tell somebody about Jesus. That's why he lives. I asked him, how is this possible? And in so many words, he told me this. He said, I have seen Jesus. There's nothing else that I need. Nothing else. And I said, do you believe God's going to give you your sight back on earth or after you see him again? He goes, I think it's on earth because I think he wants to complete the story in me. This is a kid who now walks. And his whole whole left side is paralyzed. He feels nothing. And yet he walks. Completely blind. One eye is going this way. One eye is going that way. Cannot see anything. And yet he has absolute confidence he will again see. And that's why he never meets a soul that he doesn't say, have I told you my testimony? And here's what I told his father. I said, oh, that we would have childlike faith like Dylan. What if we saw Jesus? We've got eyes and we haven't seen near as much as he's seen. 
What a blessing. What a blessing. So that's my message for this morning. I want to encourage you to have childlike faith. I want to encourage you to let God be God. (laughs) And if you don't understand it, okay, just go with it. A little bit of skepticism I think is a good thing. But skepticism can kill the soul. There's this thing called faith that we're called to walk in. Amen? Now, in just a moment, we're going to sing. And we're going to have a time for you to decide. Here, here's what I'm going to ask you to decide. Number one, ask you, I am asking you to decide to follow Jesus with all of your heart. If you've not ever placed your faith in Christ Jesus, do that today. It's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love or salvation. It's only by grace that you're saved through faith. This morning, if you would admit, as I've had to admit in times past that I've lost the wonder, if you would admit that and just say to God, God, like a child, I want to see the world again like you see it. I I don't want to pass by flowers anymore. I don't want to despise my youth anymore. I I don't want to try to put new believers back in their place anymore. I just want to enjoy the life and I want to be amazed by the wonder of it all. That's going to take humility on your part. But it's every bit worth it. And this morning, if God has called you to something and you've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, I simply want you to say, okay, God, I give up running. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. And he will provide all that you need to do. Will you stand? Let's sing together. Let's worship. Let's commit.